Well, thank you for the privilege of being here, and let me say a special thank you to Pastor Malcolm. I never, I never take it lightly when uh, when uh, Pastor Malcolm has given me the privilege to preach. Uh, for so many years as a pastor, I I understood what it meant when uh, I was away and somebody filled the pulpit. Uh, it was always a blessing when I got home if our people were talking about how good it was, and it was always a curse when I got home if I was having to clean up a mess, you know. And, uh, and when I talk about the mess, it was sometimes with our young preacher boys, I'd have, let them preach while I was gone, and they'd preach against everything moving. You know what I mean? Uh, they preached against everything. And uh, so I'd come home and I'd try to get it all fixed up. Well, I, I know you've had a good day today, you've had a busy day today, you're alive, you're wa- able to be here, and that's a blessing from the Lord. And I just want to take you tonight to uh, uh, just deal with a subject that I think will be a blessing to all of us, okay? So would you just uh, take a moment, bow your head with me, and ask the Lord if He would help me to give to you what I believe He's asked me to give to you tonight. Would you do that? Our Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our soon-coming King. And Lord, we come to you tonight realizing that without you, as the prophet of old said, it's not by might nor power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And so I pray that uh, you would do a couple of things tonight. I pray that, number one, you would give me the liberty to teach what you've given me to give to your people tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would give all of us ears to hear what your word and your spirit would have to say to us tonight. And then, God, I ask you that none of us would leave this place tonight the same way we came. God, uh, our lives belong to you. you. We know that you are the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords. So help us tonight. And then, Lord, I, I do pray that you'll knit my heart and the hearts of these that are here tonight. Uh, May our communication be clear, may it be easy, may it be warm, may it be open, and may all that we have to say, all that we have to do, and how we respond, may it all bring honor and glory to you, is is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Take, Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 31. 1 Samuel chapter 31. Now, we're going to be in a whole lot of scripture tonight, so just keep your Bibles. And of course, I, I sent the notes to uh, Pastor Dustin, and so he's, uh, he's got them where you can look up on the, on the big screen. I've entitled the lesson tonight, The Sin of Ingratitude, but if I could give it another title tonight, it would be this. It, it, and I, I want you to really get what I'm about to say. The title would be this, The Second Greatest Motivation in Our Lives. Do you know what the first greatest, the the first or the greatest motivation is in my life and your life? Does anybody know what it is? Four-letter word. L-O-V-E. Isn't that right? You know, love will do a lot of things. Love will send a mom or a dad back into a burning building to find those children. Isn't that right? Love will cause a dad to work 20 hours a day to feed and take care 
of his family. Love is an incredible, it's the most powerful motivation in our lives. Amen? But I'm going to give you tonight the second most powerful motivation in our lives. And it's literally gratitude. Gratitude. And so as we look, I want to show you a story and then we'll find out why it goes this way, okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. And the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines, they slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchishua and Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through, and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men that same day together. Now, let me just stop and give you a little tidbit in this story here. When Saul fell upon on, on his weapon, he really did not die. His armor bearer thought he had died. And you go over in 2 Kings and you find the story. There was a young man that saw them uh, there. And he, he then took uh, Saul's life because he, was, he, he hadn't fully died. And he thought there'd be a great reward for that. And he comes back and David rewards him all right. And David takes his life. You'll find that, okay? But just just giving you that tidbit. Verse 7. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, and they that were on the other side Jordan saw, watch it now, that the men of Israel fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. Now, let me just slow this one down. This is sometimes like reading your Bible. If you're not careful, you run right by it. They're watching on, okay? It'd be just like any battle. And here Saul is with his sons, and he's got his, his, uh, his men, his fighting men with him. There's some others of Israel over here. And when they see Saul being killed, they see his sons being killed, and they see his, his uh, battalion of men being wiped out, then these guys panic. And, and the Bible says right here, They forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. These guys didn't even go home. Now, let me ask you a question. When you read your Bible, do you ever take time to stop and think about it a little bit? What was at home? Wives, children, everything you own. Isn't that right? Now, let me tell you, if if there's ever been a bad day in Israel... This is a bad day. Are you with me? Get this whole story in your mind. And then it says, It came to pass on the morrow, the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head and stripped off his armor and sent into the land of the Philistines round about to publish it in the house of their their idols, their pagan uh, places of worship, and among the people. 
And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bishan. Now, (laughs) the Philistines are having a high day, are they not? I mean, the army has left. The army has, has fled. They've gone in and now just, they just occupied the cities. They took them over. Saul, they find his body and they find the body of his three sons. And they, you will find as we read on in the chapter, they cut their heads off. And then in, they, they nailed their bodies to the wall of Bethshan. And I've been in Bethshan. And I've, I've, I've been in that city several times while in that part of the world in the Holy Land. And, and I've thought about this story over and over again. And so that's their trophy. They've, they've sent them out to their pagan places of worship. They put it in their the premier uh, idol god that they worship. They put his armor in there. But they have those bodies on the wall. Do you, do you have that picture? Now watch what happens. Verse 11. And when the inhabitants of Jabez-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, and the valiant men, excuse me, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan and came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. Now here's the question. The question is simply this. We, we, we've, as we've read it, we've taken a little bit of time to talk about it. I, I'm telling you, uh, th- this is one sad day in the life of Israel. And, and, and now these, these bodies of Saul and his, and his sons are nailed to the wall in Bethshan. But the men of Jabesh Gilead, the Bible says, they go into Bethshan and they take those bodies off of the wall. Have you ever thought about what that would be like? Do you think the people of Bethshan, when the men of Jabesh Gilead decided to come in, they said, oh, come on in, guys. We'll, we'll even help you take those bodies down. Do you think they did that? Now, my question is this. Why? When all of Israel has fled and afraid and in hiding and had given up everything, Why would the men of Jabesh Gilead risk their lives, travel all night, and take down? And I mean, the Bible said they took it. And it literally meant they took it. They fought like crazy. But when they left Bethshan, they had Saul's body and the bodies of his three boys. Now the question is, why? Why? I mean, why would they do that? Everybody else has run. Why would they do that? Well, there's an answer. Turn, if you would, to chapter 11. Just back up to the left. Go to chapter 11. We're going to read a few verses there, starting in verse number 1. Chapter 11, starting in verse number 1, okay? 
Are you there? When you're there, say, I'm there. You're there? Okay. Then Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. Now we're about to find out why they would do that. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we'll serve thee. And Nahash, the Ammonite, answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite. In other words, give us seven days to figure out what we're going to do on this. That we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel. And then if there be no man to save us, we will come out to thee. Now let me just stop. I don't know about you, but I like my right eye. How about you? And I'm going to tell you something else about me. I, I hate being humiliated. Now, I, I think if the Lord wants to humble me, he can do it. But I don't want to be humiliated like was, what was about to happen to the man of Jabesh Gilead. Would you? Huh? And so they're sending out word. Now, now wait a minute. Here they are. They, they, they need help. They're, they're going to they're gonna send out to see, is there anyone that will save them? Now, look at verse 4. Then came the messengers to, to get uh, uh, Geba of, uh, of Saul and told the tidings in the ears of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field. And Saul said, What aileth the people that they weep? And they told him the tidings of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the people, and they came out with one consent. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000 and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said unto the messengers that came, Thus shall you say unto the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun be hot, you shall have help. And the messengers came and showed it unto the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore, the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you, and you shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. And it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch, and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered, so that Two of them were not left together. Now we know something about the story, don't we? You say, what in the world would cause the men of Jabesh Gilead to go in and risk their lives to take down the body of Saul and his three sons? I'll tell you what would do it. Gratitude. Gratitude would do it. 
They, were, they had not forgotten what had been done for them. You know, I fear that one of the, one of the worst things that's happening in our culture today is that we have no gratitude. We've forgotten about what people have done for us. I mean, these men of Jabez Gilead could have said something like this. We have our homes. We have our families. We have our self-respect. We have our livelihood. Everything we have was because a man called Saul put together the army and they came in and rescued us. It's called gratitude. Gratitude. You know, as I watch what's going on around us today, and I watch what's happening on TV and in some of these cities, we just have no gratitude. We aren't thankful. We aren't grateful for what we have. Listen, guys, I have traveled all over this world, and I promise you, my wife and I, years ago, good night, 40-some years ago, we were in Haiti, West Indies, and a lady begged my wife to take her child and bring her child to America. But we have so little gratitude. I was a senior pastor. 12 years at my first church. 34 at my last church. And the thing that broke my heart more than anything in all of these years. Was the people that I helped the most. Had no gratitude. No gratitude. No matter what we did it wasn't enough. No matter what we did, the first thing that first time they saw anything that resembled humanity in us, they were looking for the perfect place and the perfect preacher and the perfect situation. And by the way, they don't exist. And if they did exist, if they let you in, you'd mess it up. And I would mess it up. Well, let me let me show you a couple of things here. Gratitude. What is gratitude? Well, let me give you the definition of it. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful. Say that with me. The quality of being thankful. Say that word again. Thankful. Thankful. It goes on to say, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. Readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. You say, what would cause the men of Jabesh Gilead to do that? They were thankful. They were thankful for what had been done for them. They realized the Ammonites would have destroyed them. Let let me tell you something. The Ammonites would have not just taken their right eye. They would have eventually gotten their left eye. And the Ammonites would not have let them live in peace. They knew that. But once they could humiliate them, then they could destroy them completely. These people were thankful. that Jabez Gilead, they were thankful for what had been done for them. I just... When was the last time we just had a good old Holy Ghost revival of being thankful? 
Thankful for what we have, not complaining about what we don't have. Do you know in this room, most everybody in this room, you're within the within 3% of the richest people in the world? So I didn't know that. Well, it's time you do. It's time you do. You know, there's people in this world will never have a car, and we've had how many? Thankful. Are we thankful? You know, the scripture admonishes us to be thankful. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. You see, God knows if I will be genuinely thankful, then the second greatest motivation in the world will be going on in my life to help me to do what I ought to do. Listen to what he says. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything, give what? Thanks. It's, that's gratitude. That's gratitude. I mean, what, what can we be thanking him for tonight? What can we be thanking him for tonight? And then listen to Ephesians 1.16. Cease not to get... Paul talking uh, when, he, when he thought about the, 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 the believers there. He said that he ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. You see, the Bible tells us he had heard of their faith in the Lord and their love for the saints. And Paul said, man, I thank God. I just thank God for you. I'm going to tell you something. You can't be mad at people you pray for. You just can't do it. You can't do it. Now, some of you know I have a church of God background, okay? I wouldn't take, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, there's not enough money to take away what I learned in the church of God. Now, I'm a Baptist by conviction. I wasn't Baptist born and Baptist bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. I'm a Baptist by conviction. Are you with me? But I learned some things. You know, back in the church of God, we used to wash feet. How many of you have ever been to a good foot washing? All right, all right. You know what a foot washing will do? It'll humble the fire out of you. You say, well, I tell you what, if I got down and washed his feet, it'd humble me. You see, you got that cart before the horse. You see, if they wash your feet, it'll humble you. It'll humble you. I, I'm telling you, Paul, Paul just said, man, I, I'd, I'd heard of their faith and and their walk for the Lord and their love for the saints. And he, he said, I'm just thankful for them. Just thankful for them. Then listen to what he says in Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lifestyle of gratitude. A lifestyle of just saying thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Here's the principle in Luke 12, 48. You know what the Bible says? For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. Have we had much given to us? Talk to me for a moment. Have we had much given to us? Then do you know what's required of us? Much. Much. 
Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something, you really went out of your way, it cost you a little bit of money or cost you some time or cost you a whole lot of effort and you did something for somebody and they didn't even acknowledge it? How many of you, if you've ever had that, just raise your hand. Look at the hands up here. How'd that make you feel? How'd that make you feel? Talk to me. Make you feel good? I tell you what, it made you just want to go do it again tomorrow, didn't it? Huh? How'd it make you feel? And yet, if we're not careful, we live every day without gratitude. We ought to be thankful. Thankful. When I was a young preacher, this is sort of a gross illustration, but when I was a young preacher, I, one morning we'd been at a camp meeting or something other, and an older preacher was there, and I said, well, how are you today? And he said, I'm just thankful my body works. I remember as a young preacher, I thought, gross, man, gross. Are, are you with me? But you know what? I'm, I'm thankful that my body works. How about you? Huh? You know, we, we make sure this is pretty, right? I got kicked in the face several years ago by a young horse, and they had to do plastic surgery, and it didn't help a bit. <laughs> Well, that, you know, the kick's one thing, not helping, that's, that's another. But we pretty up this. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We pretty this up. Do you know what? Do you know what the Bible said? The Bible says these parts aren't the important part. These parts that you can't see are important part. What was the last time you said, Lord, I thank you my liver's working? That's crazy. Let it quit working and watch what happens to you, buddy. You turn yellow, right? Huh? When was the last time we're just, we're just the gratitude, this a lifestyle of gratitude? Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, my wife and I, we've been married, boy, 47 years. I don't know in 47 years if I have ever taken her out to eat whether it was a nice steak or a McDonald's hamburger, that she didn't say to me, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We had the privilege of spending six years of our life taking care of her parents we built them an apartment 320 feet from our house uh, and uh, our back door, not our house, our back door. And for six years, we took care of them. Those last years, we picked them up so many times, did we not? I mean, the alarm would go off 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock. We had a camera in the house where we could say, uh-oh, one of them's down. We'd get up, go down, pick them up. You say... They weren't your parents. They were Katie's parents. And I want you to listen to me closely. I'm going to tell you right now, I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have done that. 
Because down through the years, there was some ripple between her dad and I. Are you with me? So then how could you do it? She never stopped saying thank you to me. Are you listening to me? Gratitude is the second most powerful motivation you can have. Gratitude. Gratitude. Could you imagine what happened? She said, get your lazy backside out of bed. We're going to go down there and take care of mom and dad. You owe me that. You lazy bum, get up. We go. Hey, that would have never worked, would it? No. But how many times do we treat people that way when we ought to be saying, thank you. Thank you. Gratitude. Gratitude. You know, the Bible calls it a sin to not have gratitude. Listen to what the Bible said. 2 Timothy 3.2 For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, un-what? Unthankful. You say that's a sign of the last days. Yes, it is. But I'm going to tell you something, and it shouldn't be, but it's in the church. Unthankful. All of these weeks not being able to have church and going to church, you ought to be thankful you're back now. Has the choir started back yet? Have you got the choir back yet? Buddy, when they come back, you're going to be thankful for them. Isn't that right? I'm just telling you, man. So the, the strangest, craziest thing in the world is we only get thankful after we lose something. The first church I pastored had a guy in the church. And uh, the church just exploded. There's 14 of us when I went there. Uh, Katie and I went there. I didn't go by myself. Katie and I went there. We were just, I mean, just newlyweds. Been married a year, you know. And uh, the church started growing. We were winning people to Jesus, and the church was growing. And one of the guys that was on the, 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 the board said to me one day, he said, well, he said, uh, anybody could have done this. This church was ready. <laughs> well, I sure appreciated that. And then, then one day he said, I, he said, did I ever tell you why we voted on you? I thought to myself, I'm going to tell you right now, I thought to myself, oh, God, I don't want to know. <laughs> don't let me know, God, what it was. But he was, he, was, he was going to make sure I knew. He said, the guy that came and tried out before you had to have 125 a week. And we couldn't afford him. But you were willing to come for 100, so we, we, we called you. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'd get calls. I'd get calls on, on, on uh, Monday morning. This guy worked for TVA, and so a lot of Sundays he had to work, but his wife was there and would tell him about the sermon. And I'd get a call on Monday morning being critical over what I said in the sermon. You know, are, are you with me? And I mean, it got where the phone would ring, honestly. The phone would ring, and I'd get sick at my stomach. I mean, I'd just want to go throw up. And I'd hear his voice. I'd say, oh, God, help me, help me. 
He didn't have an education. Didn't have a college education. Five people applied for a job in another city with TVA. Four of them had college degrees. One of them didn't. He got the job. They moved him. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, oh, that phone rang. I, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I, this, this may gross you out a little bit. But I don't mean to. But uh, we were in bed, and that's the way he always called, real, real early in the morning. We were in bed. And when I heard his voice, Brother Ripley, I just, you know. He said, I've got some bad news. I, <laughs> I said, what's that, brother? He said, they've transferred me to another city, and we're going to move. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can be the hypocrite just as good as anybody. And I said, oh, brother. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you, I lied. I lied like a rug, Okay. I said, oh, brother, I am so sorry. Listen, listen, I was sorry. I was sorry for lying. I was a sorry rascal for saying what I was saying because I'd been praying that God would move him. And I went through, you know, I, I went through the routine. Then I hung the phone up. And I'm in just my underwear. My wife, she's awake because she knows I'm talking to him. And I get up on the bed, jumping up and down. And I said, thank God, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. Now listen to me. He could find nothing but wrong with our church. He went to Sweetwater, Tennessee. and went to a little church down there that was deader than a hammer. And every time he visited... Morristown, Tennessee, he bragged about me and our church. And he told the members that he found everything wrong before. You don't know what you have. We didn't realize what we had here until we got to Sweetwater. Are you listening to me? You know what's sad? That we're not thankful until it's gone. Until it's gone. How many marriages... How many marriages? You don't even realize what you've got until it's gone. Oh, you work with somebody and say, I'd get rid of that bum if it was me. Well, they may tell you that because they've gotten rid of five or six. And they give you the idea that the greatest life in the world is just being out here floating around and playing the field. No, it's not. No, it's not. You know what? I've had men down through the years, their wife leave them, and they're devastated. I loved her. I loved the kids. I, I worked hard. I, what did I do wrong? I, I couldn't make her happy. And I've said to them, listen to me, buddy. She's gone. Wait by. But I promise you there's a line of a hundred of them over there that are looking for what she didn't want. Are, are you with me? They didn't, don't know. They, they don't know what they have. How crazy that is. How crazy it is. The Bible says that it's a sin to be unthankful. Listen to Romans 1.21. Because they, that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Do you realize that sin of not being thankful 
Is the sin according to Romans 1 there? That's all part of this thing of a reprobate mind and homosexuality and the the most uh, base kind of sin you can think of? Because they weren't thankful. They weren't thankful. Well, let me take you now to the second point, gallantry. What gratitude will cause you to do. Now remember, here's, here's how we defined it. Gratitude is being thankful, right? Right? Say, being thankful. The second thing we found in the definition of gratitude was a readiness to show appreciation for and return and to return kindness. Okay? Now, watch in, in chapter 31, verse 11 through 13. Let's look at it together. Look what it says here. And when the inhabitants of Jabez-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul. They heard. You know what all these men had to do was just be aware? Just be aware of what had been done? Why? Because they lived in gratitude. I mean, there may have been all kinds of people criticizing Saul, but I'm going to tell you right now, deep in these men's heart, they they lived in gratitude. And when they heard, as soon as they heard, they responded. You know, gratitude will do that to you. Now look at verse number 12. Look at what it says here, 12. And the valiant men arose and went all night. Do you know what gratitude will do? Gratitude will cause you to do more than you would ever do any other way. And as I said earlier when I introduced this to you, the number one motivation in life is love. That's the number one. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, Peter, feed my sheep. But the second one is just pure old gratitude. Pure old gratitude. These guys traveled all night. I mean, they didn't care what it meant, risking their life and and, and they, 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 they traveled. They, they heard and they, they respond. It's action. They went. And then verse number 12. Look at what it says. And the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his son from the wall of Bethshan. Guys, that word took, and I said it as I started. Can you imagine the fight they had to fight to get those bodies down? But they fought. And whatever the effort was, they were willing to fight. They were willing to risk their lives, the dangers, everything going on. But they take those bodies down. That's what gratitude will do. And do you know what another thing gratitude will do? And we find it in verse 13. And they took their bones and burned them. Excuse me, and, and buried them. They burned them before, if you read in the next portion. But, and, and they buried them under, under a tree at Jabeth, Jabesh and fasted seven days. They mourned over Saul. You know, real gratitude, it hurts you when people have been so good to you that you've been so grateful for are no longer there. They're no longer there. Gratitude. Gratitude. Now let me bring you to a close here. And that's simply this. The next word is the word glory. 
what your gratitude will do for others. Now, can you, I, I said all of this in the beginning, so get it with me for a moment. Israel was at the weakest moment of their life. The Philistines were at the strongest time of their life. The armies of Israel had fled. The cities had been overtaken. Families had been captured. Their goods had been captured. I mean, they were the weakest they had ever been in their life. The Philistines were the strongest they'd ever been in their life. And now the king is dead. The sons are dead. The army has fled. And all the Philistines have to do now is come in like a vulture and get it all. But something happens. There is still life in Israel. The men of Jabesh Gilead rise up. They pick the hardest fight that they could have ever picked and they win it. And they get the bodies down. The trophies had been taken away. The spoil of the Philistines had been taken away. And they caused life again to come back into Israel. A country that had lost everything. And all of a sudden now life comes back. They have elevated the nation. Because gratitude will cause hope. Gratitude will cause life to come back. What in the name of heaven can happen in a church, in a family, in a marriage, in a business where gratitude is felt by all? Amen? I'm going to show you another little nugget here. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 2, and I'm done. 2 Samuel chapter 2. I want you to begin with me at verse 5, but before I start reading verse 5, let me give you the background. David has just been anointed king of Judah. He's just been anointed king of Judah. The king, the rightful king, the God-chosen king is now on his throne. And look at what the first item of business is with David. Are you ready? The new king. What's the first item of business? Verse 5. And David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh Gilead and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord, that ye have showed this kindness unto your Lord, even unto Saul, and have buried him. And now the Lord show kindness and, and truth unto you, and I also will requite you this kindness. I'll show the kindness you showed. You're going to get it back. I'm going to make sure you get it back because you have done this thing. Therefore now, let your hands be strengthened and be ye valiant. For your master Saul is dead and also the house of Judah have anointed me king over them. You know what this is a picture of, folks? It is a picture of the judgment seat of Christ. David becomes king and and the first item of business is to take the men of Jabesh Gilead and say, guys, I I want you to know I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you. And I want you to know what I have in store for you. 
because of what you've done. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a God in heaven who is keeping record. Do you believe that? There's a God in heaven who's keeping record. So let me just land the plane and we're done. Our homes are only as strong as our gratitude for our spouses, our children, our families, and the things that God's given to us. When was the last time you really showed gratitude for your spouse, for your children? You know, we lost our son about 15 years ago, and not too long ago I was talking to my brother, and his boys are big hunters. They're grown, of course, and, and they're big hunters, and he has the big motor home, so they get him to take the big motor home, and, and they live a good life while they go hunting. And he was complaining. And I said, oh, Jerry, what I'd give. What I'd give to have my boy with me for a weekend. Gratitude, guys. Gratitude. Gratitude for your family. So I tell you what, you just don't know the husband I'm married to. Well, if he's a typical man, he's, he's got a lot of problems. But to even make it worse than that, he's married to a woman who's got a lot of problems. And that's why that God says that that man and that woman need to be married to God. That triangle that God's at the top. And we're down here, and the closer we are to God, the closer our relationship is to one another. That's why I say to everyone getting married, man, if you're not going to serve God, you, you're, you're about to step into something you, you're not big enough to handle. Just listen to me. And the gratitude for our church. Our church is only as strong as our gratitude for our pastor, our staff, our leaders, our members, and the very things that God has given to us. Are you grateful? I'm telling you right now, great, gratitude is such a powerful motivation, isn't it? I'm just grateful. Man, I'm just grateful. I remember back as a young man, I heard this statement for the first time, and now I live it almost every day. I heard an old man say one day, and said, how are you? He said, man, I'm just grateful to be alive. Are you grateful for your church? Are you grateful for your pastor? Are you grateful for what God's given you here? Isn't this an incredible facility? Are you grateful? Hey, listen, you ladies, on, I know you don't probably wear them on, on Wednesday night, but I've watched many of you on Sunday, you wear those high heels. Let me tell you something that will really put those shoes in the repair shop. That's gravel. Right? Talk to me. Gravel. You, 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 you guys, you, you've got all of this concrete around here. and Wow, just grateful, grateful. And our nation is only as strong as our gratitude for our freedom, our liberties, and our opportunities. What is gratitude? Well, I'm going to be thankful. Then I'm going to show appreciation 
I'm going to return kindness where kindness has been given to me. Now think about these three, and I'm, I'm done. It's, I think it says I've got ten minutes, but I don't need ten minutes. I need one, and I'm done. I'm going to let you go early. But would you commit to God tonight and say, God, if you'll help me. Now don't say, God, I'm going to do, because you'll, you'll mess up. You, you won't even do it. But if you say, God, if you'll help me, if you'll help me, God, I'm going to start tonight thanking you for the things I ought to be thanking you for and thanking my family and thanking my church family and thanking my employer and thanking those that work for me or work with me. I'm going to become a thankful person, a person of gratitude. And then you'd say, God, if you'll help me, I'm going to show real appreciation. Real appreciation. I took a preacher out to eat a couple of weeks ago and a family that knew him paid for our lunch. And I looked at them. They weren't well dressed. I thought, you know, I, I've got the money to pay for this meal. But they wanted to pay for it. And I've sent the pastor a note. I, I want their name and a, an address. You know what I want to do? I want to show appreciation. Because I looked at them and I thought, they probably are struggling to pay for their meal. And they, and they bought ours. God, if you'll help me, I'm going to start showing appreciation. I mean, show some of these folks. You, you, you go to a, a home group. Would you show appreciation to that guy who studied to teach it for you? The home that they, they, they hosted in? Now, I know what it is to host it. You, uh, can I tell you what it is? If you don't host a home, let me tell you what hosting a home is, okay? Either one day or a few hours prior to the meeting, there's a mad rush on cleaning everything up. Isn't that right? Huh? Everybody's, you know what? We, we want everything to look good. And then you go in and you, and, and you, you look at the toilet to make sure there's no ring around it, you know. You, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And if there's a ring, you just got, you don't have to be dirty to have that ring. You understand that, don't you? You just have to have water in it. And, and you're getting that, you want that to look good, and then you, you clean over here the sink. If they, if they wash their hands, they want it to look good. Oh, there's a drip of soap here. You want that? Then you walk through, you look on those floors, those wood floors, and you say, well, did I see something dropped over there? We got to... Show appreciation. And then return kindness for what's been given to you. Just return kindness.